This podcast and the following message are brought to you by FlickFusion. From automated value proposition videos to live streaming walk-around videos and video emails, FlickFusion has everything you need to provide the most comprehensive and personalized online video user experience. Technology has changed, and so should the way you communicate with your prospects and customers. At FlickFusion, we leverage the most powerful video technologies to create the most personalized online experience. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com forward slash flick. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash flick. And by Revolution Parts. The number one way for new car dealers to sell parts online, Revolution Parts offers streamlined tools and solutions for driving profit in the fixed ops department. If you're ready to take advantage of all the revenue channels in your dealership, talk to the parts commerce experts at Revolution Parts. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com forward slash rev parts. Revolution Parts makes selling parts and accessories online simple, easy, and profitable for your dealership. No techie knowledge needed. And thank you. And then I went to SEMA and I just kind of got rejuvenated about the industry as a whole. Um, Car sales in general may slow down a little bit, but there's still a lot of people out there spending a lot of money to customize their cars, to make them go faster, to make them look better. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for dealerships in general. Put a a lifted truck in your showroom and surround it with accessories to give customers the opportunity to start a conversation and train your salespeople to go along with that. And the sales may slow down, but the, the profits don't have to. I myself see a, a, an increase, almost a hypersensitivity on on data. You know, what's what's being done with it? Uh, are we able to protect our consumers' data? Who has access to it? Who's going to allow access to it? And, and everybody's concerned about it. We're always trying to help other dealers uh, you know, through expanded information and, and access to it. You don't, you can't inspect what you expect if you don't understand what's going on. Hey, everybody, welcome to this episode of the Auto Converse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I'm Ryan Girardi, and in this episode, we are featuring another panel discussion that took place in November as part of our auto retail marketing webcast series. The webcast series includes six different monthly sessions related to auto retail, and this panel discussion was from the Advanced Auto Retail series. On the panel was Mike the Car Guy Carrera from DealerBuilt, Micah Burkholtz, Dave Rozek, and Grace Scott. DealerBuild is one of our sponsors of the podcast, but that's not necessarily the reason why Mike was on the panel. Mike's a great guy. He's a car enthusiast at heart, uh, truly is. That's why he's Mike the car guy. And he had just returned from SEMA, which is the largest automotive aftermarket conference and expo, I think, in the whole world. And he had a lot of enthusiastic and thoughtful reflections to share from his experience there, which sparked on other conversations. This year, you know, with working with DealerBuild, going out into to dealerships all across the country, it's been, no matter how optimistic I am, it's been a little bit difficult to, to resist the getting pulled into the, you know, kind of 
negative foreboding uh, projections onto the future. There's so many of my dealers that are cutting back and marketing and advertising and kind of preparing, hunkering down and preparing for a slowdown in, in retail auto sales. And it, it, I'm not going to say I was depressed, but, you know, it was it was kind of a, a bummer. And, and then I went to SEMA and I just kind of got rejuvenated about the industry as a whole. Um, there's so much excitement out there. We're in kind of a, a real resurgence of performance and accessorization. You know, car sales in general may slow down a little bit, but there's still a lot of people out there spending a lot of money to customize their cars, to make them go faster, to make them look better. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for dealerships in general. You know, I spent 30 years in, in retail. I'm a car guy through and through. I ran some of the largest and the most successful dealerships in Southern California. And I think there's there's a, a, a pivot point that if, if we just shift our attitude and, and look at things like our fixed ops departments that have been so under uh, represented in marketing, you know, companies like uh, fixed ops digital and companies that are, are specializing in marketing your fixed ops and accessories. One of the things at SEMA that jumped out at me is how the manufacturers like Ford and Nissan are really embracing accessories. They're no longer just pushing third, you know, aftermarket accessories. They're branding them themselves. They're, they're building their own winches. They're, incorporating their brand name into accessories like never before. You used to be able to just walk into the parts department and buy a worn winch from your Jeep dealership, but now you're buying a Jeep branded winch. It still could be made by Warren, but it's it's got the Jeep name on it. So the manufacturers are seeing an opportunity to get in on some of that profit and dealerships really, really, if they're smart, need to dovetail off that. Put a, a lifted truck in your showroom and surround it with accessories to give customers the opportunity to start a conversation. They may not like the package that you present, but they may say, you know what, I'm buying a, a Ram truck. I like those wheels. How can we incorporate those wheels onto the truck that I'm buying? Or, you know, it, just the conversation and training your salespeople to go along with that. And the sales may slow down, but the, the profits don't have to. You know what I mean? I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that as 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 new unit sales you know, are expected to decrease a bit, I think that we need it as businesses find those other channels such as accessories to capitalize and maximize on. Um, I can tell you, you know, one of the three stores I'm at, we do a great job with accessory penetration and we're Honda. Um, you know, Acura obviously has the opportunity as well. And like you said, Ram, Jeep, there's so many manufacturers out there where, you know, really focusing on that accessorization and creating a marketing plan, even around it, utilizing your database and sold data can be extremely effective. You know, we're, as dealers, We've survived because we've always been able to find ways to make money when the economy's been hot or cold. And those who are the most progressive and open-minded are the ones that tend to win. I think that we take a certain amount of our inventory, especially cars on our showroom. And we're fortunate that we have a pretty large showroom that we accessorize a lot of our vehicles on the showroom um, so that we can kind of sell off of it. We also are an M performance dealer for BMW. We have a kind of in each showroom near our boutiques, we have areas where there's different aftermarket products where you can, like, for example, with many, there's different grills, there's different mirror caps, there's different wheels. So there's a lot of upselling for us that we do on both the BMW and the mini brands. That was Dave Rozak and Gray Scott talking there with Mike. Dave and Gray, they've been on the podcast here several times before. They both work for auto retailers here in the Chicago market where I am. And they're both incredibly knowledgeable and technical in what they do on the retail side. As a result of this part of the conversation, we got to talking about tracking ads and social media 
which sparked conversation about the use of UTM codes, which shockingly, I didn't realize are such an unfamiliar technology to most dealers. Have a listen. We take those, those sales uh, ads that we have for our, for our parts, and we always post something on our Google My Business page and our Facebook page. And then we kind of track it back. Um, and we always have an opcode there that we can go back and say, hey, you know, we sold X amount of tire chains or X amount of whatever it is, accessory. But we do, we, we have seen a huge upgrade in like the past three years. Um, you know, in the past, we didn't know uh, how to even use UTM codes and track any of this stuff. We didn't realize how important Google My Business was. We didn't realize how important it was to put it on Facebook and then push it to Instagram on those type of specials. Um, and we're just, we're seeing a big increase on that. You know, we're renegotiating with a lot of our vendors because a lot of our vendors renegotiate with us. And then we also know this is a time of year, a lot of people cancel them. Um, so we always go into a restructure mode before they try to repencil us. But at the same time, we're not gearing down to spend less in our market. We're actually projecting that we're going to sell more cars in a market. We're not expecting a down market and why everybody is kind of turning the lever down, we're kind of honing our skills and realizing we need better internal processes, better utilization of our follow-up. Um, so we hired a trainer. We're, we're doing a lot of different things. We're working our phones better. We're realizing that we need to work our phones a lot longer. We need to do, we need to focus a lot more on fixed stops. Um, we need to focus on our market share and especially our own customers. We, you know, people are always hitting us with conquesting. And to us, we have a great database and we just underutilize it all the time. So for us right now, we're actually gearing up. And I know NADA is coming up and there's a lot of different things going on. And Gray hit it probably on the head earlier is that, you know, a lot of people are trying to close out their air and get you to sign up with stuff. But, you know, when you go to NADA and you go to like a digital dealer, there's always those vendors that offer you such great deals. Um, and that's the best time to negotiate. And I don't know how many times I've gone to those events and I'm at dinner or I'm at breakfast with people and you go to those events so you can create those relationships. And that's when you make those deals with those vendors. Um, and you get those, Hey, let me try it for free for X and I'll pay you for X. Um, but I think gray hit that on early. So I mean, there's a lot of different topics that I'm kind of rambling on right now, but, um, I know earlier, Someone had said that a lot of people are gearing down. Well, I'm not gearing down. I'm actually gearing up. And on the luxury car That's side, good to hear. this is our busiest time of the year. Um, this is the time when there's certain tax savings for businesses to trade in. Illinois is kind of in a flux too because your trade-in value is going to get capped um, starting January. January 1st. So, you know, we're, we're in a little bit of a different situation now. If somebody were to trade in a car that's worth forty grand right now, and they're buying a car that's $55,000, you get taxed on the difference. Come next year, your, your trade-in's capped to $10,000. So there's a difference of you paying $1,100 tax or you paying three grand in tax. So right now, people who are in the market, we have a reason to get them really highly motivated because you need to or it's gonna cost you more uh, next year, especially on our luxury owners. Yeah, we're absolutely not gearing down. I'm actually really pumped that we have, uh, we've actually changed our full strategy. And I can say, and if anyone's listening or watches this later on, uh, I come from, or not come from, but I'm at a very old school, David, you know the name, Muller, a very traditional old school dealer family. 
What's that? Great people, though. Phenomenal people. The yep. Mullers are great, um, especially Mr. Muller. I have a great relationship with him, but he has made his fortune on radio and some TV and uh, with the recent kind of coming moments of the last year and me working with the group has made the comment that radio is essentially dead and useless and money's better spent elsewhere. So we, with the reduction of TV and radio in our budget, that's about $20,000, $25,000 that we're actually able to reduce the cost. And if I just take a third of that or even half of that and pump it into some digital channels, some other stuff that we're doing, the database targeting, uh, we're actually, we're, we're gearing to ramp up next year as far as kind of more aggressive, as far as our market goes our market share coming up with value props and propositions in general uh, that will give us a leg to stand on and kind of a unique offering in the Chicagoland market. I'm being vague on purpose because Chicagoland is competitive and <laughs> David, you're not a competitor. Uh, we can talk, you know, offline, but you know, there's some things that we're going to do that's going to require some major investments as far as, uh, you know, production as far as for video and connected TV and YouTube and social media. Um, but we are actually, we're looking to sell more. Uh, my gurney store is up 15% year over year for new and 23% for used. My other store for Honda, we're going to flatline, which I'm happy with in this economy or in this market. And our, our use is going to be up about 24%. And if I can turn things around over at the other store I just took over uh, from a marketing perspective last week, I'm hoping that we can at least salvage what we've done. Um, so all in all, between the group, I think we're going to wind up going a little bit more aggressive. That's awesome. Good to hear. Yeah, like, uh, it's not time to slow down. Those who want to slow down, you take it. Well, I'm not saying it is. I'm saying there are folks that are out there thinking that it is. And it, it's it's difficult to to not kind of get caught up in it sometimes when that's what you hear time and time again. And you're just like, whoa, there's got to be other avenues, folks. And going to SEMO was just really re-exciting and, and rejuvenating. Well, you know what it is, Mike? Think about back a decade ago. And everyone was on traditional and the economy collapsed, right? It was recovering or coming back from the collapse. And digital was where dealers needed to shift their money if they were going to actually get the biggest bang for the buck, right? So rather than slowing down, what dealers really need to do is really evaluating where we're spending our money, who's delivering the cheese, who's actually providing us with the best opportunity, exposure and conversion. And spend it smarter. Definitely. That, right. Like trim the fat. I'm not going to call them out, but there's a certain third party out there to me. That's just completely fallen 10 feet under and they just can't seem to get out from underneath. We cut them and we've had zero differential in our website traffic, in our sales. And it had no effect on them. And it wasn't a big bill, but you know, put a few thousand dollars back in our pocket every month, $36,000 a year. Hey, that's almost the uh, portion of a BDC agent that's on fire, right? So just got to look at how you spend and how you can kind of repurpose the funding. Folks, it's a real privilege to get deep insights from industry experts like our guest today, and we're proud to be supported by Cuneo Advertising. Cuneo believes that accurate, relevant, actionable information is the foundation upon which successful marketing and advertising efforts are built. Our partnerships are based on trust, transparency, efficiency, and of course, results. Cuneo Advertising. Driving sales for automotive retailers for four decades. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com forward slash Cuneo. And finally, almost halfway through the conversation, Micah decides to chime in. Now, Micah is an automotive retail veteran who always has incredible contrast to offer. So here's Micah talking about the tracking differences of digital 
versus traditional advertising and the fact that results are more impacted by markets and regions, not necessarily by the advertising tactics themselves. I think Grace said it best is that you know, we went from traditional and then we was we went from spending all this money on traditional to digital where we can track it. Um, now the question is, are we tracking it properly? Um, and that's what we see a lot is that, uh, you know, I would think even offline uh, or earlier we were talking about with Dave is that we weren't utilizing UTM tags properly. And even now just simply to using the proper naming conventions and how to track it so it doesn't show up in other traffic or down in direct traffic and GA. I mean, right there, we start seeing that happen over and over and over again is that we're not properly tracking. Um, and when we're looking at these spends, it, I, I get it from one uh, from web webinar group to other mastermind groups that I'm in on a regular basis is, well, what's working? Well, what's working in your market is going to be very different. Chicagoland market is very different than Minneapolis, Minnesota. The inventory volume is different. We're looking at different spends from the OEMs. We're looking at different spends from the third-party providers. So um, we have to be able to take that time to evaluate your market, your inventory level, your marketing message. And if you're not doing that, if you're not going back to the standard process of just setting up your your, um, analytics properly, just that, um, you're going to be behind uh, the eight ball right off the bat. Well, I want to real quick, just add to that real quick, Mike, because you were recently in a seminar in a speaking session that I did in mm-hmm. Boston at Car Gurus Navigate uh, Conference. By the way, I think that was that was a phenomenal uh, 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 conference. The session was the best at- in a while. Yeah, it was absolutely. And I said it was one of the yeah. best conferences. The keynotes were jammed. Um, yep. It wasn't your typical keynote where half the people don't even show up. Guy Kawasaki, full house, all the way back to standing room. And my session that morning or th- that afternoon, um, we were actually little, uh, just about 90 some odd people. It was standing room only, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. And what I thought was absolutely jaw dropping, a holy cow moment was I literally said, how many people here know what a UTM code and utilizes them? I think one or two hands out of all those people were raised. And that was shocking. In a room of dealers who were at this leadership navigate conference by car gurus, one or two out of about 90 knew and utilized UTM codes. And I think, Mikey, I know that, you know, for Vista Dash and for many of these other, uh, platforms that we can use to track our metrics, UTM is the is absolutely essential. And if your yeah. vendor's not utilizing UTM codes, it's an imperative that they do. To wind things down, we got talking in depth about Google My Business and the impact it can have for a dealership's presence on the web. And this part of the conversation was enlightening for me personally. I hadn't realized up until then how important and impacting that Google My Business has been for dealers. But after talking with uh, these guys at length about it, it does seem obvious now. So be sure to listen attentively to this next segment. Do you care what happens to all this backdoor data funneling out of your website into third parties? I care a lot. I mean, I, you know, I kind of have Ghostry as an extension on every one of our um, Internet Explorers, our Google uh, Chrome extension, so I can kind of see where information is going on every website that I, I visit. But I mean, right now, I mean, anybody that requests any data from me, um, you know, we want to know if they're, because we have CDK, if they're, I I think it's called 3PA approved or something like that. Um, We just kind of want to vet people out of what information and what fields they're pulling the info because we don't want to give our data out to anybody. A lot of vendors come in and say, hey, we need access to your DMS. And right now I don't, I don't want to give anybody access to my DMS. It's one of the biggest things that I have to cherish and is our database. Um, I don't even like doing campaigns with Facebook and 
setting up our databases in Facebook and then doing lookalike clients. I don't like giving that data to Facebook anymore. I think right now as, as dealers, we need to utilize our, our data better. Um, and if you need to use databases, I mean, we kind of go out to like people like V12 and access that. Um, but getting back to your UTM codes though, that was a very important thing because I think if dealers get one thing right is just to go to their Google My Business page and set up a UTM code there to track their traffic on Google My Business, even though you can go into Google My Business and see it, but most people don't look in their analytics and they don't see the traffic that the Google My Business page actually generates for them. And in, in the future, I think the Google My Business page will actually generate more tra traffic than our websites. Will. And you know, historically, historically data, we see that. You know, and people you know, have the GMB is now, they're, they're, they've expanded that you can have multiple uh, department hours all within the same listing, right? So you can have your service, yeah. you can have your sales, you can have your parts. Well, yeah, Brian Posh gave a good, thing about, a good uh, talk about that at, the, at a CATA. And he showed us how, especially Toyota dealers, they have their own Google My Business page for parts, for service, and your website. And by doing that, you could sync it up where you have the separate parts and you can kind of 10 times yourself uh, from an You can SMO. also put them under one, two now, all in one listing, I believe, David. I believe that you can have like, he was recently talking about it and yeah. I know that we were talking about getting it done with mine, that you can have service hours, you can have sales hours all within the main GMB. Yeah, but I had to set up my service in order to pull that out into there. I had to set up a separate location with the same address, but a different name. And I had to tell them it's not the same. And they sent me the card. I entered the code. And then all of a sudden my service hours popped up from that other listing. But that's kind of how that happened for me. I'm sure maybe it's changing because things always do change. Yeah. But it's kind of a hint that Brian reminded me. And if it wasn't for Brian, I wouldn't remember to check my UTM codes with vendors. I, I will say that uh, we see it uh, on, a, on a consistent basis that when you have the UTM page properly set up with your Google My Business, it is the number one converting property that you'll have on your website. That's, what, that's driving the majority of your calls, chat, text, form completion, not just service, because that's what we see a lot of too, is that there's not a huge differentiation between sales versus service because it's all funneling in there. But you'll see that when it comes to actual sales conversions, your GMB is going to be your number one provider. Um, and just doing that properly, it's a zero cost, right? So when right. you're looking at what's our total cost effect, you know, a cost effective by conversion and breaking that cost per lead, cost per acquisition, it's the number one driver. Um, but when you asked earlier, it's uh, Urchin tracking module. Urchin developed the, the UTM tag, what is it, 15 years ago? I mean, it's been around forever. Google picked it up about, what, 10 years ago, and they just rebranded it. Um, but it's very specific within the uh, – if you go to UTM uh, uh, campaign UTM and data convention, yeah, so it will allow you to build it out properly so that you can see um, your UTM tags, whether it be source, medium, breaking it down by email campaign, display campaign, making sure that you properly set it up, email marketing campaign, whatever it is, using the proper naming convention is key in order to tracking it properly through uh, within GA. Now, with that being said, we see on a regular basis, GTMs galore. Um, keep it down to two tops, Google Tag Manager containers on your website, and then place your tracking scripts from your third-party providers in there. You'll have cars, auto trader, you'll have all the third-party providers that are wanting to put their tracking scripts on your site. Um, it can slow down, but if you keep them all within the container, the container will load. It'll help you with your site loading speed. Um, but even that 
you want to make sure that you're maintaining only a couple GTMs, um, I recommend one. Um, and then making sure that you're controlling it, maybe two tops, uh, but also making sure that there's a rotation when you're working with your third-party providers, because if they're jumping into your GM containers on your site, they can delete and bump each other's uh, scripting out if you're not careful. So um, it can cause a headache, but at least you're controlling it and you're maintaining it on your site. So I always say when you're working with like an analytic company, have two on there, one specific to your analytic tracking company and one that's specific to um, all your other third-party providers, chat, whatever it might be. That makes sense. It's a good so, tip. Very good. I myself see a, a, an increase, almost a hypersensitivity on on data. You know, what's, what's being done with it? Uh, are we able to protect our consumers' data? You know, what's the future hold? California especially has some some real intense stuff happening next year with uh, privacy information. I mean, soon you'll be able to call your dealership and say, I want to be eliminated from your database completely. I don't want you to, to market me, call me, do anything, keep the VIN number of my vehicle. So when I come in for service, it's there. But I don't want Joe Smith attached to, to anything in your records. And dealerships are going to are scrambling now to try to figure out how to deal with that, which obviously is going to have an effect on marketing and long term you know, going after existing customers, it's, it's, the world is changing and changing quickly. And it's all dependent on, on that data, who has access to it, who's going to allow access to it. And, and everybody's concerned about it. I'm going to bring up something real quick and just play devil's advocate here. I'm a dealer, right? So I'm really concerned about our data and I want to protect it. But at the end of the day, how much of data do we have on, on our people that really isn't accessible through other channels or databases or, you know, consumer data list providers, whatever it might be, Experian. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, how proprietary is the people that are the people that we have in our DMS? I mean, when credit card data, loyalty data, I mean, are, are all of us not on any loyalty program? I know but I am. perception is everything, right? If a dealer perceives that it's all protected and withheld and, and they don't understand that it's all accessible out there anyways, then they're going to want to hold on to it. So it, it, I a get lot that, but at the same time, yeah. then they're restricting themselves from absolutely being able to get the most out of what they have. Right. But I how many dealerships out there just operate on that narrow point of view? I mean, you got to rem remember, you're out there at the leading edge. You represent 3% of people in the automotive industry. There yeah. are people right now, right now, there's somebody putting together their weekend's newspaper ad, and he's going to devote his whole day <laughs> to structuring it up. He's got a sales manager putting together deals and, and invoice numbers and all that stuff. He's going to yeah. spend a whole day doing that. So there's, there's the extremes on both sides. It's easy to forget that we aren't the norm. You know, being out there at the leading edge of stuff and assume everyone is well, at your I level. I think I wanted to make that comment for, so that if anybody does listen to this, that's not one of us in that percentage. Your data is not all that great. I mean, your data is great, but with consumer data out there, depending on who you're willing to buy it from, you can get more information from what you have in your DMS based off of spending habits locations. How many of us have a smartphone in our pocket with applications on it? If you can seriously say that you've read every term and condition on there, which you haven't, they're tracking everything you do. But, I'm, that, but I'm looking at furniture and let me tell you, I only went to a handful of places on my cell phone and a couple of stores physically. I can't, I can't evade any kind of furniture advertising. It's consumed me. It's crazy. But again, these are people who are buying and using data that is accessible in general. But a dealer, I, I'll argue, should not be carefree or or no, careless. Oh God, no, not I'm not saying carefree, but don't be so guarded that you're going to push away a possible opportunity because you're going to protect this data that really, what are you protecting? They bought a car from you two years ago? 
Okay, so that's a wrap. And there was more in the conversation, but at least you got the bulk of it. As you can tell, the advanced auto retail sessions, they can move around from topic to topic. And with guys you know, like Mike and, and Micah and Dave and Gray, it can really open your eyes. Now, if you're interested in participating in these discussions during the live webcast, either as an attendee or a panelist, then go to autoconversion.net and look for auto retail under the webcast menu. There are about six different programs listed, and each one requires its own one-time registration. So you don't have to register every month, but there are six different ones, and they each have their own registration. There's no cost or obligation to attend or participate by signing up, but by doing so, then the system automatically generates your access to the live webinar. I'm Ryan Girardi. Thanks again for tuning in, and if you like what we're doing here on the podcast, then do me a favor and leave us a review. Go onto iTunes or Google Play and leave a review so that others can see what you think. Take care and talk with you on the next episode. This is Autoburst Media.